Good evening and welcome to yet another edition of Filling the Gap right here on your daily companion radio pulpit 657am and of course the 729 Cape pulpit from Gauteng to the Cape. We would love to be your daily companion. Thank you for being our daily companion. Um, without a doubt, without our listeners, we will not get anywhere. Our loyal listeners. So a special shout out to you guys. This is a very special broadcast this evening and this is also not the last time you'll be hearing this broadcast. This evening, myself and Reverend Paul Kupai will be, will be covering a very hot and controversial topic right now. As you are well aware, whenever myself and Reverend Paul Kupai is on air, we cover, uh, all the latest stories from Parliament point of view, from legislation point of view. And um, what we try to do is we try to uh, inform the Church of Christ. Um, due to lack of knowledge, my people will perish. And unfortunately, we do know that our government and uh, we do know that the world has got a, a woke agenda. They've got the agenda to hide things from the church. Now, we've said this multiple times, and that is why myself and Reverend Paul Coupe put our necks out there. Um, and we don't mind touching the controversial topics because we as the Church of Christ, as Reverend Paul Coupe always states, we are the ecclesia. We are the people, the church that's supposed to govern our country. It is a biblical responsibility to be involved in government, in legislation. And un- unfortunately, we do find the church world standing back when it gets to these topics. Now, this evening, we will be covering a very, very controversial topic. This is a topic that's been uh, around for uh, for quite a while now. It's also a topic that has hit the world by storm. It's a topic with a United Nations worldview woke agenda that has been pushed uh, for multiple years, and it is upon our doorstep. Uh, we always saw it on the horizon. It is on our doorstep, and we need the Church of Christ to stand together. So we will be at the end of this uh, chat we will be wrapping this package, we'll be making this a podcast, and we'll make sure that we distribute it as far as and wide as we possibly can. Before we go any further, if you would like to interact with us in the studio, please do so. Send us a WhatsApp on 082-657-2729. Alternatively, you can just send me a mail, Dwayne, at radiopulpit.co.za. Let me just spell that for you, D-W-A-I-N, at radiopulpit.co.za. If you would like to perhaps... Uh, Bring something under myself and Reverend Paul Coupe's attention. You are so, so more than welcome. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break because we've got a song to play this evening, a very special song request from one of our proud listeners. And when the song is done, we will return myself and Reverend Paul Coupe, and we will be spending the next 50 minutes with you explaining exactly what this new topic, policy, bowl entails and what we as the Church of Christ can do to stand against these things. So don't go anywhere. This is a very, very special shout out. Um, uh, a message that I got from one of our Gaza listeners, Ntabi Singh. She sent me a message and she asked me, could I please play an Afrikaans song by Joe Nimond? 
<laughs> How ironic is this? Only yesterday, myself, my wife, and my daughter spoke about Niemand, uh, Joe Niemand, and now I get this message for a song request from a Toza girl, and uh, it's an Afrikaans song request. I just love it. I love it when we embrace our multicultural country. What a beautiful country we do have. So, Ntali Singh, this is for you. And the moment we're back, myself and Reverend Pulkupai will be ready to talk to you about this new bull. Right, this is... All right, so welcome back. That was an awesome shout-out to Ntabi Singh, who requested Axel Nibongviously. That is so awesome. Koza Girl requesting an Afrikaans song. I love it when people... I love it when they embrace the, the multicultural uh, country that we have. And um, I told you guys just before the break, my um, my colleague, Reverend Paul Kupai. Rev, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Dwayne. I'm great. And... Uh, yeah, just been missing our Radio Pulpit listeners out there. So it's good to be back. And I think it's at the right time because there's a lot going on. Yeah, well, Rev, it's actually, um, believe it or not, but I'm on the receiving end of quite some backslash on emails if we are not on air. <laughs> people, <laughs> have, people have been following us and they know that we are on air every last Monday of every month. And when we're not on air... Sure, the next day Radio Pulpit sends me mails of people complaining. So we got to think oh, that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it's, it's a good thing to receive backlash for not being on rather than getting the other type of backlash for being on. <laughs> and for what we do when we're on. We've had multiple ones of those in 2022, but uh, that's nothing new for us. Um, you know, of course not. I mean, you know, there'll always be some. In fact, I always think that you, you have to worry if there's not a bit of backlash because when Nehemiah was building the wall, he got the Tobian Sanballat backlash. So I always believe that when you're doing something and especially doing something for the Lord, there will be that backlash from some corner. I just find it's unfortunate for me when it comes from within the family, from within the body of Christ. I mean, when you do that and you start attacking one another, what is, what do you, what does the devil have to do now? I mean, you're taking his job away from him. So it's unfortunate when the backlash comes from within, um, because we're all supposed to be united, fulfilling God's kingdom agenda. Yeah, and we've we've also had our fair share of backslash from the church um, in 2022. Yeah. Rev, it's been a big it's been a big year for the two of us in our show. Uh, we've we've discussed the Papura Bowl, we've discussed the hate speech bowl, we've discussed vaccinations, and earlier in the year we also spoke about uh, the CSE uh, controversial comprehensive sex education that's been hitting the world by storm. And this evening show is going to borderline on on CSE. But before we get there, our listeners always wants to know what's happening in the sh- in the life of Reverend Paul Kupai. I've lately seen you've been abroad again. Yes, yes, I've been abroad. I was in the Seychelles, amazing time in the Seychelles. What I loved about the Seychelles is that many of their government ministers attended our meetings that were hosted by the church. And in fact, some of them even embraced uh, our intervention, invited us to meetings and said, please, we would like to partner with you, some of the government ministers there. So I was very, very, um, you know, pleased to see that because that is the role of the church when we're supposed to be the salt. We're supposed to be there as counsel. And, you know, Dwayne, in, in, in the way it was always meant to be, you see that David had his, um, he was a king, but he had prophets who were advising him so he wouldn't go wrong. Esther was a queen. She had a prophet called Mordecai advising her. Saul had his prophets as well, but he just ignored their advice. And look what happened. 
to Saul. So the way that God has always intended and, and, and structured things is that the kings and the people in the marketplace should be advised by the church, by the prophets, by the apostles, having an ap- apostolic and a prophetic input to make sure that things are run um, in line with the kingdom blueprint and the kingdom pattern. So it made me very excited, really, to see that in Seychelles, that some of the government ministers were actually seeking out the advice of of ministers um, such as myself. And then after that, I went to London immediately, uh, same day. And it was interesting because when I got to London, when I arrived, there was one prime minister. And within a week after I left, there was a different prime minister. (laughs) (laughs) When I I landed, it was uh, Liz Truss was still prime minister. And in less than a week, when I left, it was Rishi Sunak was prime minister. So I thought to myself, well, you know, they say things happen in Africa. But, um, yeah, I, I think things happen outside of Africa as well. Because, um, yes, the United Kingdom obviously has had, uh, within the space of just a couple of years, they've had three prime ministers. Well, Raven, the so meantime, we remain um, in prayer for the United Kingdom. Of yeah. course we do, yes. And in the meantime, while you were busy and while you were abroad, I was on the, um, I was on the five week tour with, um, digital rehab author Brad Huddleston. And, um, what, a, yes. what, an amazing, what an amazing time Radio Pulpit hosted him, um, in partnership with, with Joy Magazine. Um, and yes. we, we did, we did Durban, KZN, um, Khatsing, we did Cape Town. And I was astounded at the movement of the Holy Spirit in the churches and the, the, the wow. very sensitive, um, new statistics regarding technology mm. and the influence it has on 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 sexting and yeah. on the younger ages of girls losing their virginities and there's there's absolutely an agenda by the enemy to infiltrate our, yeah. our youth and our children and that is what this evening show is also all about absolutely it's connected a lot to that because as we've rightly said the agenda and it's a global one it's not just for south africa i mean even before it came here i remember you know we were warning about it and saying this is going to come and the agenda has always been one to break up the family unit and one of the ways of breaking up the family unit is by attacking the children making sure that the next generation that comes out is a generation that is unstable that is corrupted that is perverted and one of the ways that you actually achieve that is by um you know interfering with their sexualities and and all sorts of things around there you know making sure they're sexualized at an early age um children and it's been proven psychologically uh scientifically medically that children just do not have the capacity to handle um sexual issues i mean adults don't you know adults struggle in the areas of sex so what more children whose bodies are not ready for it and more importantly whose mind and spirits are not ready for it i don't know if you've seen Dwayne, the backlash that this fashion house got um the the balenciaga um has has recently gotten a huge backlash and i was happy to hear that because they were promoting adverts where the adverts children were holding teddy bears now look at the contradiction of it a child is holding a teddy bear which means i'm still a a little baby myself because i'm still playing with dolls but that teddy bear is dressed in bondage 
this sexual bondage kind of thing. So you're actually opening the door and suggesting to children, bringing in sexual uh, perversion issues around bondage and all of that. And Balenciaga had the audacity to make that an advert, clearly with the agenda of promoting uh, and sexualizing children and planting this idea of bondage in children. And I'm glad that there's been a, a, a global uproar and a global backlash and, you know, a call for even some of the celebrities who have been promoting Balenciaga. You know, I'm glad Kanye, they actually kicked Kanye West out. And I'm sure Kanye is, is glad now that, you know, I'm glad I'm not associated with you. But uh, his ex-wife apparently is still associated with the brand, um, Kim Kardashian. And um, there's a global call for her to also stand down and not represent a brand that wants to sexualize children at an early age. So, yeah, the, the, there's a whole huge global agenda. It's to sexualize children. And my whole thing that I've said repeatedly, Dwayne, is this, is to say, if we have laws and rules around the ages which children can drink alcohol and drive, that you can't drive be, be, before you're a certain age. You can't drink alcohol before 18. And and the rationale behind that is you're not prepared. It's going to destroy you. It's not something you can handle. You can't consume alcohol before 18 because it can destroy you. Well, it's the exact same thing with, with sex. So why have we lowered the age of consent for sex? Yeah. And why are we promoting sex amongst children in schools that children should be taught how to use um, condoms, you know, and, and, and they're now actively including it in as, as part of the ECD program. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So ECD stands for, it's an acronym for Early Childhood Program. So this issue of comprehensive sexuality education, of course, they've started to roll it out in schools. And one of the consequences and implications which we warned you about and the church was silent about was to say that there would be an opening up of toilets so that toilets could be used by anybody. So now that is one of the implications of the rollout of CSE, because already there was one child a couple of years ago, court case, who claimed to be transgender and said that um, he wanted access to the girl's toilet because in his mind, he was a girl. And so now that has now brought us to this place where the Department of Education now wants to make unisex toilets, uh, you know, where everybody has access to the same toilet. Extremely, extremely dangerous, Dwayne, in a nation which we have in terms of global statistics. South Africa is in the top five highest rape statistics in the world and gender-based violence statistics. So how you would think, you would think under normal circumstances that a nation like this and with government leaders would think, how do we close any possible open door to help bring our, our statistics down? It was barely two years ago that our current president uh, made gender-based violence a state of emergency. When you consider uh, a reality rape and gender-based violence against women to be a state of emergency. You do not go and m make it easier for women to be raped by, by opening the door to, 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 to 
anybody, anybody can, can come in. Um, it's, it's something that it's, you, you're not providing for their security. You're not providing for their safety. In a recent Facebook post, I, I mentioned a case, a recent case about two, three years ago of a 21 year old, uh, man who here in Pretoria, in Pretoria, uh, at one of the Pretoria restaurants went to rape a little eight year old girl. He watched that little eight-year-old girl playing in the playground and waited for her to go to the toilet. And when she went into the toilet, then he raped her. He was found, the little girl was found bloodied and bruised, and he was found trying to flush her clothes down the toilet now. And people found, because they went on a search for the little girl, and they found him, you know, just pretty much caught him in the act. So this is a case of a little eight-year-old girl. Now, access was not provided, was not provided to um, anybody else except girls. So you can imagine now when access is opened, what is going to happen to 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 um, young, innocent, vulnerable people out there. So the the Department of Education is 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 taking it further. One of the things they've done is to make what they call an ECD toolkit. Um, and this is the Department of Basic Education. In the toolkit now, they are putting certain things in the toolkit. One, they want to put certain, they want to address the learning environment and they want to make sure that it's friendly to the CSE agenda. They want to address all the learning materials and activities, the interactions and the languages that are used in classroom. Uh, determining what is appropriate, how must you address people, uh, you know, concerning sexualities, etc. So that what they're, what's happening now is they're now inculcating this as a culture, as a culture. So basically, what we knew as a culture is going to be changed through this toolkit, and our children are being um, now inculcated into a new culture, that you're not allowed to address this, you're not allowed to use these words, you're not allowed to say this, etc. And for their purposes, they are very sincere and serious about this, because as a start, Dwayne, they're going to be distributing 400 tablets, tablets to distribute to the grade R educators. So this is, this is how early it's going. Grade R, the teachers and the educators in grade R are going to be giving tablets and the early childhood practitioners are going to be giving tablets and um, to teach these children from that age. So, Dwayne, can you see what's happening here? Proverbs 22, 6, that says, train a child when they're young. So when they're older, they don't grow out of it. So this is what the enemy is using our own scripture against us. They're going to grade R to train our own children when they're young using grade R educators who've now been provided or are being provided with tablets. Now, tell me this, Dwayne. We, we, we have always needed those tablets to, to train, to teach. To those tablets have not been made available until now. So clearly this agenda of sexualizing our children is the most important agenda because technology has not been made accessible and available to the children to, until now. So it means this agenda... Uh, completely overrides any other agenda. And should we be surprised? No, because remember, the department was given 25 million U.S. dollars 
by UNESCO, which translates into almost 500 million rand. So I can bet you that those 4,000 tablets probably come out of that budget of almost 500 million, half a billion rand to sexualize our children at an early age. So this is some of the stuff that's going to be in that toolkit, in the Department of Basic Education toolkit. It's going to include uh, documents that, um, for, number one, promote gender equality in, in early childhood development. Um, it's going to include documents that teach children how to learn with others. So others, we know, others who are sexually different in a professional learning community. It's going to have another document that says all are welcome. So it's talking about sexual inclusivity. And it says promoting gender equality in ECD, a practical guide for teachers and practitioners in South Africa. It's also going to teach young children from grade R upwards how to uh, be gender responsive. So it's creating a gender responsive school for young children. And this is going to guide them in that. It's going to have posters. It's going to have uh, posters for schools and, and for parents to give them tips in how to break away from the pattern. They call it breaking away from gender stereotypes. I'm going to say breaking away from the pattern that God put in place. So they're literally going to teach grade R educators. How do you break away from the pattern that God, the creator, put in? So they're going to teach them how to do that and how to change um, family values, how to change children's understanding and patterns. So it's really a guide to do that. It's a guide on how to break away from the traditional family pattern that God set. In a nutshell, that's what it is. How to break away from, from that. Yeah. Well, Rev, while you're talking, I'm writing down a, a couple of stuff here because um, I'm sure our listeners knows that I'm also involved in the educational sector. And and, and something for me that is just astounding um, is how naive and oblivious parents are. Um, and, yeah. and, 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 and I'll call those parents out. I'll call them out straight up to their faces because we think that these things are on the horizon. It's in different countries. It's not an outdoor step. But if we go have a look at the year 2022 and we just go see all the individual puzzle pieces and now this puzzle came about to form part of one bigger puzzle. Rev, earlier this year, uh, the Department of Social Development handed ECD centers over to the Department yeah. of Education. Okay, And for very long, people didn't hear anything. So ECD, Early Childhood Development Centers for the parents out there, those are your babies up to grade R. Then we got... uh, Now we know why, though, Dwayne. Now we know why they were handed over. Now we do. But now also, Rev, I think in March, we discussed the topic of the vaccination up to the age of 12 without consent of a parent. So, once again, we don't talk about the vaccination. We talk about the consent not needed of a parent anymore. And now it boils over to the CSE. Rev, one thing that makes me excited, though, and this is what parents do not realize, is the government schools are impacted by this. But our independent school still has the right constitutionally to stand up against this. Yes, they do. And not only that, Dwayne, what we really need to mobilize, I remember we talked about it, but, you know, we, we still have to implement that, is that the even where there's a policy, because remember, these are not law. These are policies. 
And even where there is a policy to say we adopt this policy, the, at the end of the day, the school governing bodies, SGBs, they have a right not to, to refuse to implement them. They still have that decision. I remember in a Zoom meeting I had uh, about a year ago where the government was wanting to change the law so that alcohol could be sold at schools. And I was vehemently opposing this. And one of the things that the, um, the, the official said, the Department of Basic Education official said to me, and, and I could not dispute what they said. They said, you Christians are very interesting because you do not attend uh, PTA meetings, parental meetings. You do not go for the posts on the SGB, school governing bodies. When you're called to come and make an input, you do not come. And yet you want to complain after the fact. And they now told me that the SGB school governing bodies are actually the most important body there because they have a right to refuse to implement a policy, even if it is policy. So in other words, in the SGBs out there, if there are Christian families and Christian parents on there who can, as a majority, jointly say, we do not want to implement that policy, you have a right to do that. And, and and so this is where we need to mobilize, Dwayne. I really hope we can do this, you know, in the coming year. In fact, we spoke about it. I had a Zoom meeting with Cause for Justice and 4SA. You know, I'm not privileged to sit on the board of 4SA. I sit on their board. And we were discussing on the need to mobilize the community to understand what it means to be on the SGBs and the school governing bodies and make sure that they understand those who are, because we do have some Christian um, parents on there. And um, I remember one Christian parent uh, who, who I work with, and she said they were not told that. They were told that they have to implement this policy. And so when we're updating them to say you don't have to, she was shocked. She said that's not the way we were advised. So we have to go out there and advise the SGBs uh, in line with the truth so that they know what they they can do and what they can refuse to do and reject. And we also have to ensure that the SGBs are representative of our nation. And remember, our nation is predominantly a Christian nation. Um, You know, they say over 80 percent, whatever the case may be, but it is predominantly Christian. And so the SGBs must reflect that as well. They must reflect that we are predominantly a Christian nation with certain values and we hold certain values dear and that our section 15 um, right to freedom of belief, thought and opinion, religion um, must be protected constitutionally. It is our constitutional right and we are allowed to do so within the educational setting. That if we have certain values, we are allowed to protect those values within an educational setting and um, not to send our children to school um, in an institution which now promotes and, and brings about values which are opposite, um, you know, in opposition to our own Christian values. Rev, I recently spoke to a, a principal um, in, uh, in Centurion. He's a principal of a, a, a very high-profile primary school, and I want to mention his name right now. But he yeah. says that he and his governing body decided that post-COVID, that they are going yeah. to restrict access to parents, random parents on the school terrain. And I spoke to him about it, and I said, but, but sir, please tell me why. He says, well, yeah. firstly, the statistics regarding child pornography – 
went up more than 3,000% during COVID. Okay? So he says, now we need to open our gates randomly in the afternoons for random parents just to come walk around on the premises with unguarded children. And they've adopted a new policy, which I absolutely love. They said that they will have security at their gates. And parents come drop their kids off at the school. And the school is supposed to be a safe haven. If parents yeah. wants to come see someone at the school, they make an appointment through the office. They are escorted from the gates to the appointment place. And when there's a sports event, parents register online for the event. And they go through an access control gate. Now, yeah. it's my opinion, but but... We've got to look after our kids. Now, I've adopted the same policy at one of my institutions where I've said that um, parents can pick up their children at the gate purely because why do you as a random dad have the need to walk around on a premises where underage girls are playing? There's no need for that. There's there's just an agenda, and I believe we've got to to jump in and we've got to grab our kids. Yeah. No, I, I I completely agree with you, Dwayne. And it's it's unfortunate that almost like, you know, I remember growing up as a child. I mean, I'm 60 now. And I remember growing up, you could just play and without fear of being kidnapped, you know that your neighbor next door, if your parents aren't home, you can go to your neighbor and they'll take care of you yes. uh, and feed you until your parent comes home. Now, unfortunately, children are almost ha- being having to be put in prison to keep them safe. And I, I put a Facebook page post myself not too long ago saying to, to, to parents that please teach your children not to go to, especially the girl children, not to go to toilets, public toilets by themselves. You know, they must go with with an adult and, you know, or if there are no adults, at least let them go in a group when with older children, but don't let them go by themselves. And these are the things that we're having to teach our children in this era to keep them safe, to keep them from being sexually abused and molested and raped and hijacked and kidnapped and all of those things. It's unfortunate, but it's all about preservation of life. You know, uh, we have to do it. it it's, it's not a, it's not um, something that we choose to do. Who would not love our, for our children to be able to walk around and play freely? But look at what happened to that little eight-year-old child who was given that liberty to play freely. And there was, uh, you know, a wolf waiting to a predator, waiting to just that moment when she would be separated from everybody else. And he pounced on her. And within a short space of time, he'd already done the damage. And that little girl, we, we know, will be traumatized for, for, for life. You know, she may, she may, her body may heal, but her mind uh, and her emotions will definitely be affected. It will take the miracle of God and God's healing hand, really, to restore her completely. Because an eight-year-old, uh, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's just beyond comprehension. And what we understand now is that our government is not interested in our children. Our government is not interested in protecting our children. Our government is not interested in family values, but our government is interested in money. And so they collected half a billion rands in exchange for the safety and protection of our children. And for me, that's just a signal to say that we need a new government. We need a new government of servant leaders who have conscient- are conscientious, who have morals, who still have ethics, I find it appalling that we still have a, a government that started a program called the Moral Regeneration Program. That was started by our government. How do you start 
a moral regeneration program and then you bring in all these degenerate programs to sexualize our children, to teach them how to put on condoms. You you increase the degeneration, but you're claiming to have a moral regeneration program. So the moral regeneration program is in theory only, but in mm. practice, they're bringing in actually moral degeneration, not regeneration. Our morals are degenerating. Um, in fact, since the, the rollout of CSE, I did a, a show on carte blanche. And we said, you know, the statistics show that what they were claiming, they were claiming to roll out CSE because they said there was pregnancies in school and, 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 and all of that and HIV AIDS. Let me tell you, statistics are showing that this program is not achieving its desired effect. If anything, it's actually the statistics have increased of increased teenage pregnancies, increased, um, irresponsibilities. How can we in the society say we want alcohol to be introduced in schools and sold when we are the same nation that just a few months ago, Dwayne, how many children were, were found dead in a tavern, underage children, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, was it about 30 children who were yeah. underage? They were not supposed to be in a tavern, and they were all killed, whether they were poisoned. To this day, we still don't know how they died. Because the, the coroner's report post-mortem is not out. But how do we, when we know already there's a problem with underage drinking, and then we want to bring a law in that allows children to, to access alcohol on schools. It is complete degeneration. And I mean, this is a clear signal to us as South Africa that we need new leaders who are servant leaders who are not interested in looking for money and money opportunities for themselves at the expense of the next generation. We need new leaders who have values, family values. We need new leaders who are bold and fearless. We need new leaders um, who, you know, have a conscience and who have Ubuntu and who are interested in making sure that our children are healthy, our ch children are protected, and our children are safe, and our women are also safe, healthy, and protected. In particular, I'm mentioning those two categories uh, in, on purpose because they are more vulnerable than other categories in the community. Well, Rev, I just want to, as, as I'm sitting here, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or what it is, but um, it's almost as if the Lord is just showing me what has happened in the world um, the past the past three years. Now, now pre 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 COVID, there was always um, um, talks regarding these uh, unisex toilets and CSE, and but but isn't it ironic how we went through a phase worldwide where we went through COVID lockdown. What happened yeah. during this lockdown, and you warned us about this as well, what happened through lockdown is the process allowed government to have more say and for yeah. us to have little say. A lockdown yeah. took us to technology because we were locked indoors. Technology opened up new doors, new doors that children explored like never before. The statistics does the talking. The next moment, yeah. CSE is on the doorstep of our schools. CSE has yeah. been around for an odd two years now. CSE has been preparing the, the, the ground for kids to have questions that they've never had before. Uh, CSE has allowed kids to venture down paths that they've never done before because the CSE teach them that these things are happening. Then the next moment, we don't need our mom's consent. 
the next mm. moment we have the abortion law that you can have a legal abortion at the age of 12 without the consent of a parent, and boom, yeah, that, that law abortion. actually, it's been around for a long time, that abortion law. For yeah, many but, but years. there's a clear yeah. agenda that all of the kids have been prepared for this moment. Absolutely. Because now they yeah. have, because now they have an open door. To enter yeah. into a toilet with a boy and a girl and to experiment on things they never knew before CC. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, like you say, we've been talking about this. We've been warning about this. And the tragedy of it is that the Christian community themselves did not take them ser- as seriously. I wept tears. It was in February 2020, Dwayne, when we went to uh, Fire and Ice Hotel here in Pretoria because... Uh, the Department of Basic Education had not consulted us, and we raised this time and time to say we were not consulted over the rollout of this policy. And they said, okay, we will give you an opportunity. Well, let me tell you what they did. It was supposed to be a 100 uh, Christian leaders, faith leaders, who were going to be consulted. This is what happened, Dwayne, in reality. Of those 100, at least half came from um, pro LGBTQ and and other places. So it was not faith leaders. So they made sure that uh, the majority of the attendants were not faith leaders, but were people who came with a, a value set that was different from the community center. Anytime we would try to talk, we were booed down, you know, so that shows bad faith from the Department of Education in from the beginning. Secondly, We were never consulted again at that meeting. We were told what the rollout was going to be. And I remember challenging the department on this to say, you are just telling us what's going to happen. And and I even asked the question, as Christians, as people of faith, can we, I asked this question of the director general of the DBE at the time. I said, can we remove our children from the setting because our values are different? He said, no. I said, so what is the option? He said, remove them and take them to a private school if you don't want. I mean, what a completely uh, reckless answer that shows you have no regard whatsoever. Not everybody can afford private education. That was such a au fait, really disregarding um, statement to say, oh, just remove them. Well, Mr. Director General, not everybody earns the salary that you earn that they can just easily afford a, a private school um, setting. And it's a very callous and careless statement to make, not understanding that many South Africans are living below the breadline and cannot afford that private school education that you refer to. Dwayne, it was in that meeting that I shed tears because after the so-called the fraudulence consultation, which never happened, then... They asked the question. They managed to successfully convince the remaining bishops and Christian leaders there that this was a program that would benefit their children. At the end of the day, there were only about five of us Christians standing who still opposed. Out of a 100 leaders, five still standing to say we oppose this. It was myself. It was Reverend Mishwe. It was Michael Swain from 4SA. It was Daniela from 4SA. And um, Errol Naidu left a bit early because he had to go back to Cape Town. But, you know, the time he was there, he, he did oppose it. But it was about five of us. And they asked the question to these Christian leaders, spiritual leaders, to say, who of you will be ambassadors for this CSE program? 
I even the thought of it now, Dwayne, it mortifies me. I want to cry tears because 80, 90 percent of the people who were there raised their hands to say they would be ambassadors of CSE. It's the same community now that is complaining about our children. We will not accept unisex. And we warned them, but they bought into the lies and the stories of the DBE to say that, no, this is to protect your children. Now they're seeing what is really happening in the rollout. Now they're seeing the real manuals that we told them. They're very explicit. They show the organs. They show children how to put on um, condoms. We told them that. We warned them that. The DBE denied. They said it's not true. Now they're seeing it rolled out. Now they're seeing it happen. Now they're crying, but it's too late to reverse. It's too late to reverse. But, you know, we have to ask God for a miracle. We have to pray to God for a miracle to undo this. And, and we have to come together in unity. But I'm just saying this as a Christian community. Um, we've allowed the enemy in and we have to take responsibility to now find a way of pushing him out. And one of the ways I've alluded to is by way of getting on the SGBs, get on the school governing bodies. Let's also mobilize the unions. I've had conversations with some of the heads of the unions. I know that they are not for this. Unions are influential. They have a strong voice. Let's work with the unions to push back on this and make sure that our family values our ubuntu as africans we protect our ubuntu values we protect our christian faith values and it's not just the christian faith by the way that upholds these values it's other faiths as well that also um uphold these these, these uh, stand against early sexualization of children so it's not just christians um most and many faiths actually also hold uh, the similar view around the early sexualization or sex outside of marriage. They hold similar views in that perspective and regard. And and then, of course, Rev. also, this is actually a call to action. We, we want to reach out to yeah. parents of communities, to SGBs, to principals. You do have the right to take a stand. And I recently was involved with Errol Naidu himself, um, Brad Huddleston, Graham Yoko from Accelerated Christian Education, Dr. Darlene. Uh, Rev, there's alternative choices for comprehensive sex education. Yeah. There's alternative choices. Yeah, there's alternative choices. Yeah. Well, one of them is one that I'm affiliated with. It's called Small Choices. And it's a character yeah. Christian-based curriculum. There's alternatives. Yeah. But, Rev, we've now said a lot, a mouthful, but this has got to be a call to action. What's up yeah. now? Is this a policy? Has this been legislated? Have it been, has it it's been signed policy. off the government? It's been signed off. Like I've said, it's not law. <laughs> and because it's not law, that's why the SGBs have the capacity to reject it. If yeah. it was law, they would not have that that capacity. But because it's policy, it's a policy that's been signed off. And as I've said, the signing off, even when the DBE did their so-called consultation, it was never a real consultation. You know why? Because they'd already accepted the money from UNESCO. This is not us thinking. This is the Department of Basic Education themselves. In replying to a question in Parliament that was posed to them to say, were you given money for CSE? They said, yes, we were given $25 million. From the time that they accepted that almost half a billion US, half a billion rands, from the time they accepted it, Dwayne, that's the time the department decided we're going to roll it out because it's a contractual obligation. I'm now speaking as a lawyer. Contract means somebody makes you an offer and you accept it. 
The offer by UNESCO was to say, here's a policy, roll it out, here's the money to do so, we give you money. And the, gov- the government, from the time they received it, they, they, they undertook a contractual obligation. So the government was now, in terms of their reckless act, obliged to roll out CSE because it, it formed a contractual base. And so that's why they now had to pretend to go through these lines of consultation when they knew that they'd already agreed this contractual basis and it was wrong for them to agree to a contract without consultation. So they did the consultation afterwards, not meaning to ever, um, you know, take in the, 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 the result of the consultation, but just to say, oh, we consulted and this is what was said. It was a lie. It was a sham. It was a farce, complete farce. And so, yes, that's the call of action. We need to understand, you know, just the aspect of promoting gender equality in early childhood development. Um, what's going to be there? What are some of the documents that are going to be there? They're going to teach them on understanding gender, but not understanding gender from a Christian perspective understanding gender from their perspective. They're going to teach them about gender, the learning environment, how to interact indoors and outdoors. They're going to teach them about with play materials. So even some of the play materials are going to be different. They're going to be presenting things that are now acceptable. The dolls that are out there that I'm seeing, the dolls have changed. When I played with dolls, they didn't look the same way as the dolls that we have now. Uh, you, you're not sure whether what what gender is the, is the doll because the doll has completely changed and they've done that deliberately to make gender fluid to, so that there's no gender and anything is acceptable. So they're going to be using those play materials. Those are going to be used to, to, to teach children. Those same dolls I'm referring to are going to be used to to now inculcate a certain thought and mindset in children. Learning activities are, are going to be, you know, tools to teach them this. Language, they're going to be taught on language and, and interactions even beyond the classroom, beyond the classroom. What right do they even have to teach them about interactions beyond the classroom? Because their aspect is supposed to be within the classroom. So now that means that they are changing their mindset and inculcating a certain thought so that even when they're outside, beyond the educational premises, they think that way. That has gone even beyond their scope. It's gone beyond their jurisdiction. And and so, yeah, they're going to be teaching them all of this in terms of promoting gender equality, teaching them why gender matters. What do we mean when we talk about gender? What are some of the key gender concepts? Teaching them about gender and the South African context. Gender and early childhood development and the benefit of supporting gender diversity, gender diversity. So these are all things that are going to be with the educators, like I said, from grade R, from grade R. I mean, you know better what age. What is the age of the grade R children? Six years you know? old. Six. So basically from the age of six. And and they know that what you teach children um, at an early age, because God told us that principle first. He said, teach them when they're young. So when they're older, they don't forget those principles. So they know that what children will be taught at the age of six, they will not forget when they grow older. So for interest's sake, our um, theme scripture 
um, at, at Radio Pulpit filling the gap, the show that myself and you are on, is, called, is Proverbs 22, verse 6, to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he grows older, he won't depart from it. Yeah. Now, Rev, unlike our other shows, like the Pepita Bull, like the Hate Speech Bull, um, where yeah. we, yeah. we call to action, we call our, our people to submit um, submissions, um, we got to understand yeah. there's nothing to submit this time around. This has already been in this – is, this is policy. We now need to call yeah. to action our school parents and governing bodies and principals to stand up against this. Absolutely. It, that's the only call of action that we have liberty to do right now is in terms of getting parents more involved to attend the PTA um, meetings where there's a call. Please, parents, you cannot be sitting at home eating maguinha and chips, watching mm-hmm. reality shows and all of that. You have to be at those meetings. You have to be educated. You have to be sensitized. You have to know what's happening at your children's school. You have to be there to be a voice. Don't just depend on Dwayne and I here. Dwayne and I can't go to some of those meetings. Dwayne can go to his school. But you have to be there. You have to make objections. You have to get on the school governing bodies. You have to mobilize the, the trade unions. As a school governing body, you, you have a voice and you have a right to refuse to roll out and to implement these policies. So that's what needs to be done. Um, no more sitting down. No more complaining. To sit down, to complain, and to do nothing, it avails nothing. It's not going... God said faith without works is dead. Meaning we pray, we have faith, we prophesy, we we go to service, but the works, and this is what we have to do. We've done the faith. We've prayed for, for a long time, but now this is the works. The works means mobilizing ourselves into action going out there, getting the teams, getting on the school governing bodies, interacting with, 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 with the Department of Basic Education, um, speaking with unions and seeing how we can mobilize unions as well. We have to do all of that. Right. So if you guys are right now listening to us, whether on Radio Pulpit or perhaps on Radio Pulpit's Facebook page, my own Facebook page, as well as Reverend Paul Coupe's social media pages. We want to urge you to take this, uh, whether it's you take the video, whether you take the podcast, we want to urge you to get the attention of your school's governing body, as well as your school's principal. And we would like you to help us distribute this video as far as wide as you possibly can. And then, of course, um, Rev, myself and you have been going at this for a couple of years now, where every last Monday of the month we touch base on legislation. Can I assume 2023 will be continuing with this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no way I would ever refuse a platform that is given to us to be able to educate, mobilize, sensitize the Christian community, because, you know, I'm very passionate about the legislative power and mandate that God has given the church is a legislative mandate to say, go out there and legislate, go out there and govern on my National Assembly, go out there and be salt, go out there and be light, go in there, out there and occupy and do business on my behalf, go out there and, and take dominion and subdue. So I'm very passionate about that. And this is a platform that enables us to do exactly that, because sometimes we don't know how to legislate. What does it mean to legislate? What does it mean to possess the gates? What does it mean to take authority? What does it mean to be that salt and be influential? And this program enables us to do exactly that. It tells us, okay, there's this legislation coming in. So as an ecclesia, um, if we're going to be salt, we need to influence this legislation or this policy 
in this way so that it reflects the original blueprint and pattern of heaven, the original blueprint of the creator, the one who created this earth, um, should know best how this earth should operate. So um, this is a great platform. And thank you so much for, for um, you know, uh, just making sure that it's it's used for this purposes. And I'm just so excited that people are, are getting mobilized and getting, you know, curious mm. about what is next. Um, you know, tell us what's going on, because I know going back, oh, more than 15 years, 15, 20 years, I've been doing this for a long time now. And I remember, you know, before some of the organizations like Calls for Justice and 4SA even came into being, we were around and I remember being ridiculed for for so long, even on social media, people telling me, what are you? You always doy doying. You always got a petition. You always marching. Go and preach like other pastors in, in the church. Why are you not preaching? And so for many years, I was ridiculed for not doing that. Um, I guess because I'm a, a you know, the, the grace is apostolic, but also the training as a lawyer enabled me to see some things that not everybody can see. But so for me, it's very exciting that we now are so into it. We're now been so sensitized that we get concerned when, you know, filling the gap is not there. Where's filling the gap? Because I yeah. need that gap filled. So it's very exciting to me to see the trend, to see the movement from being a community that was so complacent and laissez-faire. And now, we're, we, you know, we're getting a backlash because of being absent now. That's, that, to me, warms my heart. Absolutely. Well, well, Rev, one of my most famous quotes that guides me when working with children is there's a quote that says, if we as parents fail to educate our children, the world will do it for us. We have a godly Absolutely. responsibility to educate our kids according to Proverbs 22 verse 6. And I think that is our heart's desire with this program. So, Rev, I can't wait for 2023 uh, for what God holds for the two of us. I think we should start our movement and do couch sessions at churches. They should start reaching out so we can influence more people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much, Dwayne. And I mean, the, 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 the fact that you are out there even on, you know, you take up your time, your free time, and even your vacation time to do these recordings shows how committed you are to the process. So I'm grateful for that and to your family as well for always supporting you in, in this endeavor. It's a noble endeavor. It's an honest endeavor. And may the Lord keep you for this generation and the generations to come. <laughs> well, Rev, that was our last one for 2022. Can't wait for yeah. the end of January 2023. Please have a blessed festive season. And uh, for the rest of you, of our listeners and our viewers, please go share this post, left, right, and center, um, because this is an important message that needs to get out. So, Rev, love you to bits. And I think Thank you so much. Send me the link. Yeah, I do will. send me the link so we can share, share, share on um, on uh, Facebook and all the other social media platforms. Thank you so much. But blessings to all of you out there. The Lord keep you safe. I just decree and declare Psalms 91 over you. God's protection and his hedge of protection around you. That he will place you under the shadow of your wing and your homes. That you will not experience accidents or death or hijacking or robberies that the angelic ministration will be your portion. Those of you who are traveling, may you experience heaven's diplomatic passage and angels, angelic ministration, helping and aiding and assisting you 
on the way. So I pray for, for a covering over you. I mm. pray that you will have great time of fellowship with your family, that you will be together, that the joy of the Lord will be your strength, that you will also celebrate Christ. Remember that Christ is the reason for the season. So wow. may he be celebrated with love and, and, and joy. And um, may you have great family time and may you be re-energized and strengthened to come back strong in the new year so we can continue our journey and our race with the Lord. God richly bless you from my family to your family. I love you with the love of the Lord. There we go. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, guys. Love you guys. See you next week. Bye-bye.